Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Mother's Day. How's everybody doing? You look beautiful. You look lovely. Like Misty said, we love to make a big deal about Mother's Day and honor all the women in our church. Mothers or not, because you are the heart and soul of our church and the heart and soul of our communities. I do not get to come up here very much, and I am thankful for that. Um, (laughs) I get to come up here when I feel like I have a word from God. Um, or when I feel like I have something to say. I don't have the burden of getting up here week after week and hearing from the Lord and delivering something to you. My husband has that burden, and I just want to honor him today. It is not a burden that I envy, um, and I watch the work that he puts into um, what he delivers week after week, and um, I'm thankful that I just get to come up here every once in a while. But I do have a word from God today. I felt very clearly what I was going to speak today, and today is actually not a Mother's Day message, but it's something that's relevant to absolutely every believer, every follower of Jesus. I'm speaking on one of my favorite subjects ever. I'm speaking on hearing God. It's one of my very favorite subjects, and it's also one of the things that I get asked the most about. If I boil down every question, every prayer request, everything that I've been asked about in the past 15 plus years of ministry, it's this. How do I hear God? Am I hearing God? How do I know if I'm hearing God? Because people are looking for divine direction. People are looking for divine strategy. People need it, and they don't know how to access it all of the time. You know, the voice of the Lord um, is everything to me. Um, The voice of the Lord is the most beautiful birthright that we have as believers. When we come into a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit opens this line of communication between us and God that wasn't there before. There are hundreds of scriptures that talk about how God hears us, how the creator of the universe actually leans down and hears us. He hears our prayers. He hears our thoughts. He knows what's going on in our life. And so many scriptures about how we're to hear them. In fact, the Bible is like a giant conversation between us and God. And so hearing God is one of the most important things ever. And I have good news for you today. Um, If you haven't caught on already, God wants to speak to you. God is speaking to you. You can hear God and you can know if you're hearing God or if it's something else. It's actually not that complicated, but it just, it takes a little bit of um, cultivation. We have to cultivate some things in our lives. And it's not because um, we have to work to earn God's voice. It's because we have to work to position ourselves to hear God's voice. There's a big difference. So when we come to God and we're asking to hear him, we don't have to beg him to speak to us. We just have to stop and maybe declutter and um, take um, stock of what's going on around us so that we can focus on the Lord. I want to share some scriptures with you right off the, right at the top. Um, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My favorite, Isaiah 30, 21, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, God wants to help you make decisions. Ask me and I will tell you things that you don't know and can't find out. There are some things that we can't find out any other way but through the voice of God. 
Whoever is of God hears the words of God. It's very plain in the word that God wants us to hear him. We're called to be a hearing people. I was talking to Daniel yesterday, and he was trying to help me with my message. I took a few of the things that he told me, but I tossed most of it on. But, uh, <laughs> this is payback for all those years when you've had the mic, and I haven't been able to do anything about it. Um, but this is what he said. He said, uh, we're called to be hearers, not just doers. And the Bible says that we're actually supposed to not just hear, but do. But I think in our culture, in our society today, we get really tangled up and really busy in doing, 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 and not so much in hearing. And we're to be a hearing people. We've been entrusted with hearing God, not just for ourselves, but for others. So it's important that we learn how to hear God clearly. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not an expert. I'm not up here as an expert. We could do a 10 12, 15-week series on hearing God and not exhaust the topic. It was very overwhelming to kind of narrow it down to just a 30-minute message because there's so much to be said about hearing God. But um, I have been walking with God for over 20 years. I know it's hard to believe. And um, I just want to share from some of my experiences, some of the things I've learned, some of the things that I've done right, some of the things that I have gotten wrong, and just kind of impart that to you. Um, because as a pastor, it's my, one of my greatest desires that you be able to hear God for yourself. You know, when we were youth pastors, Daniel would talk to the youth and he would tell them, if, you know, this church disappeared tomorrow, what would happen to your relationship with God? If something happened, if this church burned down, if the church wasn't here, what would happen to your relationship with God? And it would make people think, but we never really imagined a time where the church would not be allowed to meet. Enter COVID in 2020, and we got to see what happened to the people of God when the church was not able to meet. And it was a little bit disappointing. It was disappointing to see, on, on, in some ways it was very encouraging to see the people that really did have a strong relationship with God that had some deep roots going down, but a lot of people were scattered, were lost, and didn't know how to connect to God without the church, and it's not supposed to be that way. The biblical definition of hearing is to be in sync. It's more than just letting it pass through your ears. It's to be in sync, to give audience to, to attend to, and to obey. So when we talk about hearing God, we're talking about being in sync with God regarding what he is saying, giving audience to it, and obeying it. Um, I'm going to start this message with a story of when Daniel and I just like blew it so bad. <laughs> we were not in sync at all. It's like we stuck our fingers in our ears and just absolutely refused to hear the Lord. And it's, it started before we started this church. Um, my husband and I, we were on staff at another church, and we did hear God clearly tell us that it was time to step away from that ministry and to resign, and we obeyed, and we thought that um, God would very quickly come along and tell us what it was that we were supposed to do next. This was his income, and it was our call and our passion, and it was a big deal to step away from that at the time, and so we waited to hear, and we waited maybe a month or two, and there was nothing. It was silent, and so we decided, okay, we've got to make a move, and we decided we wanted to get out of San Antonio. We were going to sell our home and go be a part of another ministry somewhere else, and so we called our realtors. We had some friends that were realtors. We called them over, and we, at, we were going to ask them that night to sell our home, and so they were Christians. They were believers. They came over. We had dinner, and um, they're like, it's interesting that you called because we have something to tell you, and um, this was a 
a man and a woman. They had gone to church, and they were visiting churches. They were looking for a church, and they said that while they were at that church, they had both had, separately, but standing right next to each other, a vision, and God had shown them that Daniel and I were going to start a church, and he told them specific things about the church, and we were going to start it here, they said, in the hill country, and Daniel and I just kind of looked at each other, and we're like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's nice, but actually, we called you over here to ask you to sell our house. Can you put it on the market? And they were a little shocked. They were probably a little offended, but they were like, okay, if that's how you feel, we'll put it on the market. We did not pray about it. We did not, like, nothing. It was like, absolutely not. That is not what we want to do. That's not what God's calling us to do. We're going to sell this house. And so for a year and a half, we lived in limbo as every single door around us shut over and over and over. I say God was silent, but but his no's were very, very loud. Like everything was no, 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 that's not going to work out. Job offer, everything. Daniel had a job um, interview at another church in Houston, and that's when, was it Hurricane Katrina? Some hurricane came and devastated the area, and the church was no longer able to hire anybody. I mean, it was just like, what is going on? And so finally, we got really desperate. We were like, God will do anything if you will just tell us what to do. And about a week later, Daniel heard God very clearly say, start a church in San Antonio. And we started it in the hill country in Bernie. That's ended up being where we started it. And everything that that couple said about our church came to pass. And that is like so funny to me. And it was a miserable year and a half. But that's what we're talking about today. Like the We heard it, but we didn't hear it. We didn't want to hear it. And I think that's one of the main reasons that people don't say they don't hear God is they heard it and they just didn't like what he said. Um, (laughs) So I want to read you a scripture that I found when I was preparing for this that I'd actually never read before. It was very sobering. It's Amos 8.11, and it says, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food, or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. I know. It's one of those that makes you do a double take. God was judging his people at this certain time in history for um, walking away from him, for turning away from him again. And so he declared a famine of hearing, which is basically a famine of divine instruction. This was a judgment passed on to them. And notice it's not a famine of speaking. God wasn't saying, I'm not going to speak. God wasn't saying, I'm going to withhold my voice from you. It wasn't, it was a famine of hearing. They just were not going to be able to get in sync with what it was that God was saying. And sometimes I feel like that's the season we're living in now. The word abounds to us. We can catch a hundred podcasts. We can go to a hundred thousands of YouTube channels and get the word. We have Bible apps. We have thousands of books available to us on Amazon about God, about who God is, about anything you would want to know about God. You can download it immediately. You don't even have to read it. Your phone will read the book to you, right? We've gotten so lazy, but it still seems like we're having a really hard time getting in sync with God, getting in sync with what God wants for us, because I still hear so many people saying that they can't hear him, that they don't know what he's saying, that they don't know what to do about the difficult situations that they're facing. And so I think that hearing God, this message is entitled The Art of Hearing God, because while the voice of the Lord is available to us, it's going to take some skill 
and some cultivation to be able to hone in on what he's saying. Because while we don't have to work to earn God's divine direction, there are some things we have to cultivate in our lives to position ourselves to hear him. And the first thing that comes to mind is that we need to learn to cultivate stillness. Stillness and silence. These are actually offices. These are actually things that Christians have done throughout the centuries. And somehow we've lost it in, the, in our Western civilization. This is how God increases and we decrease. Being still before the Lord. Being quiet in his presence. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you were still and you were able to quiet your mind and just be silent? And when was the last time you got into God's presence and just thought about who he was, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his holiness, his justice? There's so many things that we can think about when we think about God. And our problems, we set them to the side and just focus on who he is. Stillness is an offense to our Western mindset. There's not much in our culture that supports stillness and silence. And we will settle for secondhand information when God wants to give us firsthand revelation. Because it's so much easier to Google something. It's so much easier to go to a Reddit forum and read that. It's so much easier to ask a friend, ask your mom, ask your dad. We'll go to anybody first before we go to God because going to God takes some patience, takes some quiet, takes some stillness. When we go to God, we have to go to God the way he wants us to go to God right? We don't get to decide how we do that. Psalm 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. It takes patience to hear God. That same scripture that I just read to you, Psalm 46, 10 in the message, it says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. I believe in this day and age where our attention spans are shrinking and our focus is becoming harder and harder. Being still is an art. And it doesn't come naturally to us. And what makes me really sad about that is that we're raising children that are even more addicted to busyness and distraction and entertainment than we are. And we need to teach them how to be still, how to be quiet, how to focus how to be present, because if we don't teach them that, they're not gonna be able to connect to God in a meaningful way. And as a mom, that's the most important thing for me, that my children would be able to come into a relationship with God. And so this is something that we need to work on. So practically, how do we do this? Um, like, how do you if, you, if you have a hard time with this, if you've never done this before, um, set a timer for two, three, four minutes. Doesn't have, don't try to do an hour at the first time, you know? <laughs> set just two or three minutes as a discipline of just being quiet and thinking about God and who God is and see if you can um, quiet your mind and focus on him. We never graduate from this practice. If you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years, this is still applicable to you. This is still necessary for you to do. In the quiet place, that is where the healing comes. Some of you have been walking around with hurts for years. And if you'll just get quiet before the Lord, he has something to say to you about those wounds that you have. He wants to heal you. The Bible says he sent his word and healed us. Jesus himself had to break away from crowds, expectations, responsibilities, and get alone with the Father. So if Jesus had to do it, we know that we have to do it. The second question I get asked the most 
after how do I hear God? I don't know if I can hear God, is how do I know if it's God or something else? Like, is it God? Is it me? Is it the devil? Have you ever done that? Or just like, I don't know. It's so funny how we can be confused by that because they're very different natures, but it's confusing. And so the second thing we have to cultivate is discernment if we want to hear God clearly. When I first gave my life to God, I was 22 and I became obsessed with the Bible. Thank God. The Holy Spirit just gave me a hunger for the Bible, and I began to read the Word. I did Bible studies. I read the Word by myself while everybody was going out. I had no friends. As soon as I got saved, they all left me. I had nothing to do. I read the Bible. I went to church every time the doors were open, and I familiarized myself with God's Word. And in that season of my life, I didn't know this was what God was doing, but God was showing me his voice. He was showing me his nature. He was showing me his character. And the most common way I hear God speak to me today is through the Scripture that I already know. When I've gone through hard times, when we've gone through difficult things as a couple, um, as a family, I have heard God's voice as a scripture that I already know. Comfort me, guide me, correct me, lead me. The Bible says it's the Holy Spirit's job to guide us and lead us into all truth, but it's our job to get it into us so that it's there when we need it. Um, Some of you may know this story. Many of you may not. It's already been five years, but five years ago, um, I had a near-death experience after giving birth to Eden. And so Eden Rain, who's going to be five in July, was a product of divine instruction. I had really, really prayed, and I had asked God to give me a baby after we had lost a baby, and I had felt like he had promised me another baby very clearly multiple times. Went to the doctors, asked if we could try again. They said, yes, absolutely. There's no, no reason for you not to try again. And so six months later, we were pregnant with Eden. And the first 15 weeks, um, we kind of just sailed through those. But right at the 16-week mark, everything turned into a nightmare. Eden was growth restricted, and we had to go to doctor's appointments every week, sometimes two or three times a week. And every appointment, they would just give us worst case scenarios, as they do, and tell us all the reasons why she probably wasn't going to make it. And because I believe this baby was promised to me, I decided to fight for this baby. And so when I had learned, um, when I first got saved, I had an amazing Bible teacher, and she taught me how to pray God's word. She taught me how to take the scriptures from the Bible, turn them into prayers, and pray those things over my life. And that is such a big key to my life today because the Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. So when you are praying God's scriptures, you know that you're in the will of God. You know that you're praying his will, and you can have the confidence that he's going to answer you. And so I got every scripture I could about um, health, healing, miracles, life, and I just began to pray these over Eden um, day after day. I mean, sometimes Sometimes hour by hour in the day on those hard days, I would just speak those scriptures over her. I would thank God for preserving her life. I did that for about 10 weeks. That's a long time, every single day. And around that time, I was praying for Eden one day, and I heard God say, everything you've been praying for Eden, start praying for yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Not exactly what I wanted to hear, because it meant that there was a bigger battle than I had understood that was coming. But even though I didn't want to hear that, even though it wasn't something that um, felt good, there was still a lot of peace that came with his voice because I knew God was giving me instruction and direction, and he was calling me to be prepared for what was coming. So I began to pray all those same scriptures over myself, health, healing, miracles, life. And at 29 weeks, we went in for one of those doctor's appointments, and they told me, you're not going home. You're going to stay here until you have Eden, which happens to a lot of women. Um, And so... I, they sent me to an ER, 
my blood pressure was super high. I was hooked up to a bunch of machines. Daniel went home to start packing my stuff and make arrangements. And it was very chaotic in the ER. And I remember it was very um, loud and my blood pressure was going up and down and I started having a lot of anxiety. In the midst of that, I heard a voice very clearly say, you're not leaving this hospital alive. And <laughs> I remember I started to panic. My blood pressure shot up and I got a cold sweat and I um, started thinking about what that could mean, all the different things that could mean. I was trying to process what I had heard. And somehow, thank God, in the middle of that, it's like I snapped back into reality and I remembered God's voice because I knew what God's voice sounded like. And that is not what God's voice sounds like. The Bible says it's, that fear is not just emotion, it's a spirit. And that was the spirit of fear trying to grab onto me in that moment. And the wrong voices can send us in the wrong direction so quickly. I mean, I, w I spiraled. I had so much faith when I went. I had been praying, 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 and all of a sudden it was gone, and I was terrified. And then I was able to come out of that moment, and I remember Daniel came back, and I didn't even tell him what I had heard because I didn't want to amplify the wrong voice. I knew that wasn't the Lord. So there are so many voices right now vying for our attention. Fear, anxiety, dread, disappointment, discouragement, greed, ambition. I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't know what voices try to get your attention. All I know is that they will drain the faith and the life out of you if you let them. And so we have to learn how to discern the voice of God. In John 10, 5, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this of his people. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Time in God's word is the way we hone our discernment. I don't know any other way. Time in God's word and time in God's presence, you become familiar with his voice, with his character, with his nature. So when the voice of a stranger comes, you can quickly decipher whether it sounds like the Lord or not. And that's not something anyone else can do for you. That's something you have to do for yourself. It's something you have to teach your children how to do, how to get into the word, how to know God so that you can discern and then help other people discern. That's one of my favorite things to do when people come and they're genuinely confused and tormented is just clearly say, that's not the voice of God. Oh, what a beautiful gift we can give to people who don't know him, right? If we'll do the work to get to know him. And lastly, I have two minutes and 45 seconds left, so that's not going to work. <laughs> um, I want to read to you a passage out of 1 Samuel 3. Anytime we talk about hearing the voice of God, the story of Samuel um, comes up because it's such an interesting story. And this is the story of a little boy, boy who learned how to hear the voice of God. Um, it's a long passage, so I'm just going to explain it to you. But it's 1 Samuel 3, and you can read that later. It's so good. So there's this little boy named Samuel. And Samuel was dedicated to God by his mom. His mom was barren, couldn't have children. She went to the temple and she told God, if you give me a son, I'm going to give him right back to you. And God opened her womb and gave her a son. And so Samuel lived in the temple. He grew up in the temple. And at the time of this story, he was 10 or 12 years old. And he ministered to the man of God. He took care of the high priest. That was his job in the temple, the high priest, his name was Eli, and he was getting really old, and um, Samuel was in the room right next to him, and Samuel heard 
someone call his name. So Samuel ran to Eli's room, and Eli was like, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so Samuel goes, and he lays down, and again, he hears someone call him. So he runs to Eli's room, and Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Stop waking me up. So Samuel goes back to bed, and um, again, he hears the voice, and he runs to Eli, and he's like, Eli, I heard you calling me. And by now, Eli has figured it out. Because Eli has heard the voice of the Lord before, and Eli tells him, it wasn't me. This was a voice of God. Go back and lay down, and if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel runs back, gets in bed, and the scripture says that God came to him, and um, the Lord came and stood there calling him as in other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And so at 10 to 12 years old, Samuel receives his first prophecy from the Lord. And I think that's so interesting because there's not an age requirement to hear the Lord. I was, when I was working on this, I was remembering Vivian at four or five, six years old. Um, she was always singing something. Um, she has a really pretty voice and she's um, very musical. And I would hear her in her room, and I would hear her outside, and she'd be singing songs about God. Not songs she heard anywhere, songs that she was kind of composing as she went. And they were, you know, four or five, six-year-old level, but they were very beautiful. And I knew God was visiting her. God was speaking to her. She was hearing him. And so our children can hear God at any age. And so Samuel receives this prophecy from God, and he goes to sleep, and in the morning, Eli wakes him up, and he says, tell me everything God said, but Samuel was terrified, because what God had actually said was that he was going to end Eli, and so Samuel had a choice as a 10 to 12-year-old to tell Eli what God had said or not. This was his first test. This was his first chance to be obedient. Now, Eli was a high priest, and Eli, Eli had two sons, and the Bible says that his sons, who were also priests, did not know God and were wicked and worthless. Eli's sons um, were most guilty of two sins, sexual immorality and stealing. They were sleeping with the women in the temple, and they were stealing from God. They were taking the best offerings, the offerings that people were bringing to God to burn on the altar. They would take them for themselves, and God was angry. And God was angry at Eli because Eli hadn't confronted the sin in his own house. It was his responsibility to do that. I thought it was so interesting and so convicting because even today when we see men of God fall, it's for those same two things most of the time, right? Sexual immorality and stealing from the house of God. So Eli received the word of the Lord and he understood that God was not going to speak to him anymore, that that mantle had passed from him to Samuel, who was 10 or 12, because of Eli's disobedience. And if we want to hear God, we have to cultivate a life of obedience. I think it's the most important one of the three. We don't like that word, obey. I don't like it. Daniel and I got in a huge fight when we were getting married because I wanted it taken out of our vows. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's right. Um, <laughs> but we don't like that word. We want to be our own authority. But we, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, he becomes our authority, and the word of God becomes our authority. And as people who have given their lives to him, we never outgrow obedience. When we don't understand, when it doesn't make sense, when it's going to cost you something, when it's sacrificial, when it's going to be hard, it doesn't matter. We're called to obey. And if we want to be able to hear God consistently, 
we have to keep that line of communication open with obedience. And you know, I talk to a lot of people who feel like they haven't heard God speak in a long time. And the majority of the time is just because they haven't done the last thing that he asked them to do. As people of God with the spirit of God, we know when God is speaking to us. We know when we hear something in a sermon, in a conversation, when we read the word, and it just hits a little differently, and it just lays there. And you can ignore it, but it's not going to go away. It's going to lay right there until you do what he's calling you to do. And um, I wanted to... My mom, post, my mom posted something this morning for Mother's Day. It's a picture of my grandmother. I asked him to put it up here, but I don't know if it'll be a good... Um, oh, isn't she so cute? That's my grandma. <laughs> my grandma and grandpa, when they were 40 and 60, heard God calling them to leave their lives in the United States, sell everything, and go to Mexico and become missionaries not knowing the language. <laughs> That's her. She would put on these Bible clubs for kids, and she would play the accordion and sing hymns, and they did that for 20 years. My mom's now a missionary in Mexico, and right now she's actually visiting a lot of the churches that they planted that are still there. And I saw this this morning, and I was so blessed by their obedience because their obedience didn't just affect them. It didn't just affect the hundreds of kids that came to know Christ. By now, probably thousands of people that have been saved because of what they did. It affected me and my life because I'm here now because of their obedience. Verse 19 says, Samuel grew up. God was with him. And Samuel's prophetic record was flawless. Everyone in Israel recognized that Samuel was the real thing a true prophet of God. And God continued to show up at Shiloh, revealed through his word at, to Samuel at Shiloh. So Samuel's story ended very differently than Eli's. Samuel never lost that connection, that clear communication. He went out to anoint kings and do incredible things. God used him in a powerful way. Our obedience is never just for ourselves. It affects a generation. That's something that we talk about here a lot because legacy is important, not for our own namesake, but for Jesus, for the God who's called us to impact the world on his behalf. And I just pray my deep desire that we would be a church that would learn to value stillness I would learn to discern the voice of God and help others do the same thing. That we would be a church that was obedient. That when God looks down at Grace Avenue Church, he sees obedient people. People that he says, I can tell them anything and they're going to do it. Can you imagine what God would do through a church like that? It's incredible. I just want to pray for you. And I know Daniel's going to hop up here in a minute and close us out. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your voice. I thank you for the ability to hear you. I ask, Heavenly Father, that if there are people in this room that haven't heard you for different reasons, that you would reveal to them why and what they can do to reopen that line of communication between you and them. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Beautiful. It's such a powerful word. Um, 
And it just brought to mind the reality that we serve a God who restores. He's a restorer. He's a God of restoration. And my prayer for you today as you walk out, wherever you're at in your life, whatever you're walking through, whatever hardships you've gone through this season, uh, whatever battles you're facing right now, whatever things you're, you're aiming for that you need to overcome, my prayer is that you lean deeper into the voice of God. Come on, we're the information age. We've got enough information to last us 10 lifetimes. We need to be people of revelation who hear God and make decisions that lead us into God's purpose. Our children, their children. Um, you never know what your obedience is doing for someone else. Years and years ago, I was preaching. This is when I was first new to preaching and, and um, I used to self-analyze after every message and beat myself up and just, oh, I did terrible. I didn't help anybody. And I remember one year I, uh, I was doing that and I came off the platform and, and just in my own head, which is kind of like how it always probably was. People thought it was fine, but I thought it was terrible. And I remember walking off and, and just getting so angry at myself and just saying, you know what, did a horrible job. I didn't help anybody. I, I don't even know. You know, you start going into that whole zone. And I had never been so hard on myself as that particular night I was preaching. And this guy comes up to me and he says, he goes, hey, do you remember me? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't. He goes, yeah, you prayed for me about uh, two years ago. You preached a message about this and this and this. And because of that, I sold everything I had. And it was the same situation of missionaries. God told me to go to India for a year. And I've been there for a year. And I'm just home for Christmas. And now I'm going to go. And I'm going to spend the next year in Afghanistan. This is back in the day when everything was going on with Afghanistan. When the war started, you know, 15, 17 years ago. And I remember in that moment, just realizing how selfish I was being, thinking only about myself. When the reality is I'd been doing something in that moment that was probably blessing people and doing something in the past that had helped someone make a life-altering decision. And I was simply obeying. I didn't remember praying for him. I didn't even remember who the guy was, but I was obedient at that time to preach a message. And it hit somebody in such a way that it caused them to shift their life. Your obedience will cause shifts in the lives of other people. Good shifts. Shifts that lead them towards the purpose of God. And my prayer is that God would restore that heart to you this morning. That desire to live for something even bigger than ourselves. This is why our world gets really tough. Our, our lives get really tough. We shrink our world down to our own experiences. Down to just what we're going through. The clouds are dark. The cave is dark because we can't see out of, out of what we're in. Trust me, I've battled this a long time through the good times and the bad, and it gets worse when I'm just in myself, in my own life, in my zone. And isn't it interesting? That's kind of what the world tells us. You just need to focus on yourself right now. Sometimes that's the worst thing you can do. Sometimes the best thing we can do is to gather around God's people and just say, I'm hurting. I need some help. Just stay with me in this season. Amen. Amen. I'm praying that God restores his voice to you for you to be able to hear it clearly. Amen. Amen. Well, I
pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.